Confessions of a Recovering Extrovert. Welcome back, my boxless brothers and sisters. Today I'm going to share a little bit about my own problems, I suppose. I I have to give praise where praise is due again. Uh, I did an episode called Not Another Men's Breakfast, and then it seemed like a week later I found out my church was doing a morning breakfast thing weekly, which blew my mind. And I don't think it cost any money. I don't even know if breakfast is included, but the point was that it was just a gathering for men. And my complaint was that it seems to happen once every six months. So good for them. Then I find out, like the following week, that there's a tailgate happening at my church. And so I think, well, I got to go to that. And there was a cornhole competition. They had the game on. They had delicious barbecue. There were several hundred men. Ted Cruz came, who is the communications director, I believe, for the Chiefs. And you'll often see him standing next to Patrick Mahomes. He sort of did a, a Q&A with the pastor there. Uh, and so this church is a, a campus of my church, which is the mother church. So it's basically the same church. Uh, so I'm I'm familiar with this pastor. And it was decent. It was more meant to be encouraging for men to kind of press on and see other men pursuing Jesus. And I like it for that reason. I did happen to turn to my neighbor who uh, was my cornhole buddy, partner, and invited me to go, even though we go to the same church. I don't think either of us wanted to go alone. And so I turned to him and I just say, something's wrong with me. I'm not interested in getting to know guys here. Now, granted, devil's advocate for myself, I think that's partly because there's a sense of realism inside of me that says, when am I going to have time to cultivate these relationships? It's hard enough remembering someone's name until you hear it three times, especially when you're older because those three times are so spread out. So I think maybe it's more like five or six. I'm going to assume it's not my aging brain after 40. It's hard enough to remember people's names, let alone just spend enough time with them where you feel like you're breaking the barrier. Because now I... I miss my 25-year-old self, and and part of me is like, is there something wrong with me because I'm so much different, and I'm not necessarily unhealthy spiritually or otherwise. I don't spend as much time with Jesus as I did when I was 25, I'll tell you that right now. I'm also much, much busier, not that that's an excuse, but my life is good, and uh, and we we speak about the Lord uh, with our children, and it's just kind of our new reality. And there's this aching inside of me for what once was, and that's just the brotherhood, especially the bachelor brotherhood, just single dudes, you know, talking about how much we wanted a woman and didn't have a woman. And in the meantime, let's dig into this scripture and let's talk about other hard things that are going on with you. And it was powerful, so I miss it. I, I had a friend once say, if you put James in a room with 25 people and you say, go have a conversation, he'll say, 
okay. And the point of the joke is I wouldn't say which one because I would just be like, fine. So one, one with every 25 done. And that was who I was. So hence the name of this episode, Confessions of a Recovering Extrovert. I wanted to also name it Spiritual Scar Tissue because, you know, we put ourselves out there and let's say we go through some type of negative experience where we become a little bit jaded from a church or from an organization, what have you. And what happens is when we meet somebody new that resembles that type of person or perhaps even that type of position that would be over you. And so this is particularly hard for, I think, people called to ministry like I once was, I suppose. And so I have this inclination for wanting to lead. When I get around other guys, I want to be like, how can I make this happen again? What leadership do I need to talk to to formulate some kind of it, like a regular gathering or whatever? And I get a little fearful of them. Then there's just the relational side that dictates there's no rules. You basically have the pull the plug card whenever you want it because it's just a friendship. And I think there's a very real side of an extrovert being burned by trying to make so many friends that along the way, you naturally build up your rejections as well. And the older you get, I think you get more of those because people are less... (laughs) Uh, inviting of extroverted personalities, myself included. I'm not as extroverted as I once was, but that is my default personality. At least Myers-Briggs says so. And that has been difficult to figure out, well, who am I now? You know, first with getting married. I mean, first it was really when I left my brothers in in college and went on staff with the navigators for the first time didn't have like an a-team and some of the guys were getting together and they weren't inviting me and i don't blame them because it was like three or four guys who'd been close since they were in high school and i was like the odd man out because i was the only other one that was in that sort of age group that loved jesus that was connected to the navigators And I was just sort of the new outsider. You know, this was their boys' night. So why would I feel like I have the right to interrupt that? But it was still hard, right? Because it made me think of my boys back home and just miss that time. There was a type of depression there. There's a type of death, in a way, just of the bachelor lifestyle. There's some amazing songs actually about this ben rector has a handful about just missing his old friends i just saw him in a concert called old friends (laughs) the old friends tour and the song old friends itself is incredible he's not the only one andrew osanga sings uh we were so sure we would change the world i think is the name of the song Beautiful songs that are cries of the heart 
of the married man. <laughs> That's why it comes from a place, I think, that isn't bitter because, and you'll even hear in, in some of these lyrics, that, that the time now is almost sweeter in a way. We had to trade it, but we wouldn't trade it back. You know, we, we like the life that we've chosen, and we miss that previous life, but it's just difficult for them to exist at the same time. So now I am desiring for the brotherhood to be authentic and be together, and I am finding myself being the biggest hypocrite because I am just not trusting, I suppose, of other men out there you know, what can I tell them? I'm not opening myself up to some kind of rigmarole debate or critiquing of myself. And when you go through enough of that, and I think extroverts go through this particularly because they talk so much, so they invite other people without actually inviting them to comment on themselves personally. So I've had this happen to me my whole life. And you get to a point where you're 43, you have two kids, and, you know, look, I wouldn't even be here without the Lord. I also don't have a lot of bandwidth for people critiquing my life from the outside in who don't really know me. Now, some of this is unfounded, right? Like, I'm assuming that the worst is going to happen based on previous wounds where I go to open up with a guy and I ask him, you know, what's new with you? How's your heart? And you skip to something intimate like that and they get uncomfortable and they take off. And you learn quickly as an extrovert, like, okay, pump the brakes a little. Let's take it slowly. Then you kind of give in to the slow fade that everybody else is naturally going through because you're trying to go at their pace. You just learn this new normal of the extrovert that's alone and talks to strangers to sort of fill that need, that crave of like, I need to be with people who energize me or whatever. And it's through work, it's through kids, it's through a couple friends that you have maybe, depending on if you still live near your old college buddies or whatnot. If you don't, then you text them. You've sort of come to terms with the fact that this might be the best that you get again. At least that's where I have been. So when I see my church doing good things like this, I'm encouraged for others that have not been burned out <laughs> like I have. But I'm also challenged to maybe not so recover my 25-year-old self, but trust again. Just see what happens, right? Like I'm over here making these calculations of who's this guy, where does he work, what is he like? Does he live so far away from me that it's going to be pointless to try to make something work? And I've already gone 10 steps ahead. <laughs> you know, I used to be like, hey, what's up? My name is James. You know, <laughs> just see, see what the next step uh, brings me, I guess. But there's all that residual, I don't want to quite say that it's trauma, but coming back to the spiritual tissue, when a scar is poked, it, it hurts a little bit more. It's more tender. And it's easier to re-rip, right? 
And so you have this wounding from X, Y, and Z experiences with leaders or your own parents or maybe people who have passed away. Like I've shared, I had a mentor who passed away and that was really hard and I had some healing through that, but also sort of became less of a people pleaser as a result of that process and ended up needing people less. Then when you recognize the difficulty of trying with people who have already kind of started to, to figure out themselves and aren't that really interested in reopening wounds and sharing who they are and sharing what they've been through because it's behind them now. So that's hard. I'm not saying that it's not good to share those things. It's just hard when you go through a period, assuming that you even did this, but in your 20s when you go through a period and you're meeting other guys who are sucking at things, like I said in my previous episode, and you're just going through it together. You're like, well, that's not me exactly, but here's here's what I'm having a hard time with. And you just kind of shoulder to shoulder and battle it up. And if that means having beef nights as roommates or having reading nights where the, the house is silent and you start doing these grown-up things for the first time, you expose, even if it's just character flaws, responsibility issues that men happen to have when they leave the nest. And we're going through these very practical things. There's an intimacy in that almost because you're admitting, like, I'm not really a man yet. I neglected to learn how to do my own laundry, how to cook my own food, stuff like this. And it's empowering going through that together with other guys and being vulnerable in this whole, I, I don't know how to survive. I don't know how to feed myself. Coupled with some actual deep conversation, right? But it can come out of those practical things as well. We had so many deep conversations that started with the grocery list. We had a grocery pot. We'd all put money into the grocery pot some of us would put less money in than others. And I remember, I think two of us were putting in less money because the third was lactose intolerant, so he was getting lactate milk. But then he points out, because he was so patient and wise and we all looked up to him, (laughs) he would wait and he finally confesses to us, you know, here's uh, three things that you guys buy that I don't eat. And we were just kind of taken aback, like, oh, my gosh, the selfishness of trying to live the the my, my, my life. You know, we try to Dave Ramsey our every dollar. We try. We're getting better. But it's also good to not be so legalistic about things, to be more giving and generous. And we learned those things back then, too. So now, fast forward 10, 15 years, you're married with kids, and you're meeting a guy who lives 15 minutes away, works a different schedule, his kids aren't the same age, they don't go to the same school, and the only time where you would naturally see him is at church. That feels like work to me. Work that I used to love. But these are my confessions, right? On Sunday, the pastor gave a sermon about discipleship. 
and I'm not sure what the title of the sermon was exactly, but he was sort of bringing home the point that making disciples and being a disciple are what matters about discipleship. So making disciples really just means that you're a Christian. And then there's this verse in Scripture that says disciple yourself. So there's this element of, hey, you need to decide if you're going to follow Jesus. Disciple yourselves. However, there are also many verses in Scripture who reference one-on-one discipleship. And as a navigator, I'm inclined to think this is the sweet spot. This is the gold at the end of the rainbow. I mean, Jesus is the gold at the end of the rainbow. But this is the best, most effective way to follow the Lord, is to have one other person who can challenge you, encourage you, you could talk about Jesus with, emotional things, because it's a safe place being with that other person. That's how close you are. That's how well you know each other. The pastor who was talking about this kind of glazes over it. And it it was honestly the first time that I could remember even hearing the term one-on-one discipleship. But as he's kind of giving his disclaimer before he goes into just the idea of living a life as a disciple, kind of a general, I think, message was his point. He glazes over, sure, one-on-ones are good. And this and that is good, but da da da. That's typically reserved for that that way of speaking. Something that is done a lot and is easier to do, right? You say, sure, that's done a lot. Sure, it's easy to do this, but what about this? And you propose the more difficult and more infrequent thing. So referring to one-on-one that way, I thought was was kind of laughable because it's not happening. It's not always happening. It's not the thing that's easier. Definitely not. When I joined the Navigators, one of the things they said for the the reasoning that we were a discipleship, one-on-one mentoring organization is because the director of the Navigators would always say the organization comes down to two guys sitting across the table in a coffee shop with a Bible and a napkin between them. And that guy's drawing out some illustration about how to get closer to Jesus. So there's humor in that because the Navs were all about their illustrations. The simplicity in that interaction, just let that sit with you for a minute. Someone else said, you will never tell two people as much as you will tell one person. Now, it depends which one person that is, but you're always inclined to tell somebody anything that you feel like you're okay with them knowing and nobody else. Because in that moment, there is nobody else there, so it's sort of free. And you find yourself being a little bit more open with this one person. So here I am, knowing that these things are valuable, still valuing them in my heart, And not really wanting to put forth the effort because I'm 10 steps ahead and I'm seeing either the difficulty of getting together with this person or assuming we even get to that place because we decide we don't like each other, (laughs) which is just a reality. 
if it's not convenient for you to already see this person and you don't hit it off, you're not going to go out of your way carving out time in your schedule to be with this person. So they're also hard to find. So even if you weren't jaded from past relationships and churches and leadership and whatever, but you are over 35 and have a family, you know, even if you want it, it's hard. Once a month is like, good for you, right? So what's the solution? What is the solution? I don't know. But I know that I shouldn't give up being open, recognizing that there's some reality to the not wanting to meet new guys because I'm not wanting to go through all the effort. There's probably some unhealthy residual stuff there. Confessions of a recovering extrovert. It's amazing how many times you can get beaten down for oversharing and start to become a different person because you just get tired of that. I don't know if you all feel that way, but I have felt that way before. One of our favorite verses in NAVS is 2 Timothy 2.2. says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This verse became very much the theme verse of our lives in our 20s, in the NAVS, and on staff afterwards. We believed not just in sharing the gospel, but in passing on knowledge, understanding, joy. Here's how you walk with Jesus in community, with one another, by yourself. Here's a simple, practical way to read scripture. Spend time with him. We used to love this stuff. Love it. And it's still deep in my heart. And if you know Jesus, it's probably deep in your heart too, even if you are a strong introvert. There's a little part of you that loves the moment of being with another dude and you leading them to Jesus and seeing that transformation before your eyes. He's written it on our hearts. He's written eternity on our hearts. So I think that that's part of that. We think about eternity for others. We think about eternity often because we are aliens in a foreign world. So we think about heavenly things, and time is scary partially because it doesn't make sense to the believer. Our fleshly human side is saying, no, forever doesn't make sense. And our spirit is going, dying? Who's dying? Nobody's dying here. The Supertones did an old ska song. It's a great song just about flesh and spirit being like two people kind of fighting against yourself. Anyway, so we should fight. We should fight to have authenticity. I think that we also don't need to feel guilty when we don't have time for a lot of it. But I wanted to confess to you, sometimes my reason is because I assume the worst, that people don't want to know me, and you get to a point where you're just tired tired of that happening to you, right? And you know your wife loves you, and those couple of friends back home, and your kids are your whole world practically, and you can just drown in that and not come up for air for yourself ever again. And a lot of men live their whole lives doing that. 
So how do we avoid from doing that? This is The Boxless Nutshell. I am James Arthur. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review. It helps us grow. We'll see you next time.